0: But now, you know, you've got your uh, digital device, you can hold it up and shoot a video. You can say, hey, here's what's physically wrong. This is what's going on right now with the machine. That technology, that capability in a, in a person's hand in a, in a meaningful way is worth so much.
1: You're listening to ZapChat and I'm Richard Mills. I'm a CEO and founder at Zaptic. Today, we're talking to Mike Miller, who is an absolute thought leader when it comes to technology in the manufacturing ecosystem. And you know, for many years, he was part of the strategy team at PNG, you g know, looking to a future, looking for you know, what technology is going to give them a competitive edge. Since leaving p and becoming a consultant, he's now become key voice in, to not just Zaptic, but a number of different innovative technology solutions out there. I think what I took away from this is we need to be thinking about reorganization as a whole, not just for people right at the forefront. Mike, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. So when I asked Mike um, for an introduction of himself, he described himself as um, the old guy who knows a little bit about supply chains. So I'd like to challenge that because <laughs> I think you know a lot about supply chains. And um, you're not that old, at least I hope so, because you've got a lot more energy than I do. Um, so, Mike, why don't you give yourself a proper introduction? I'd love to hear from you, you know, how your career started and where it took you over various years and what are you up to today?
0: Glad to be here, Richard. My career started a, a long time ago in medical devices, Setting up uh, FDA controls uh, documentation for a company that makes pacemakers. Got involved with them making lithium batteries. Then moved to data communications for a company called uh, Raycal. Raycal Defense Electronics, you might know them as Vodafone now. Left there to go into consulting for a few years. Decided that being home was better than being on the road all the time. And went to work for Polaroid briefly in their medical uh, devices efforts. Then went to Gillette where after acquisition with P&G, I ended up staying a total of 25 years. All different areas of supply chain, all manufacturing globally, over 100 countries. I forget the exact count that I've been to working in the supply chain. Retired as leading the uh, innovation efforts at Procter & Gamble in the supply chain, looking for new and interesting technologies capabilities f- with industry partners, consortia, as well as startups and scale-ups to find the uh, solutions that PNG needed to uh, improve its overall supply chain. And so that's kind of my uh, history in a nutshell. Uh, I retired a couple of years ago and uh, enjoy working with Zaptic and other Uh, small startups and scale-ups that are much smaller than Zaptic and helping them get their feet on the ground in the supply chain and
1: other areas. Wow, Mike, that's great. And just to ask the question, which hopefully I'm not the only one thinking, you telling me that Polaroid is an actual company?
0: It was an actual company. <laughs> it uh, is a brand now that's li- it's a licensed brand. I ran trademark licensing at p for about three years. So I know a little bit about trademarks and intellectual property management. And uh, yeah, Polaroid is a brand now, but no longer a uh, physical entity as it was at the time. They were making an attempt to go to dry x-ray films, and so I was helping them create a new coating facility that would coat films and laminate films together to do that kind of thing.
1: So. Wow, fascinating. So you've been working with Zaptic for the last kind of six months, but I'd love to hear, um, you know, what have you attempted in the past um, at p and or, or elsewhere and from a technology point of view, and
0: what, what were you most excited by? Huh. I've attempted everything from MES systems to computerized maintenance management, enterprise asset management, ERP, I was involved in the very some of the very first ERP MRP implementations back early in my career all things to make supply chain more automated let the you know heavy calculations and decisions be made by systems as opposed to you know letting people get better information when they needed it where they needed it and uh, that's what's appealed to me about Zaptic is getting it to the people at the shop floor because they, that was always the hardest place right until mobile devices existed You know, you had to go to a terminal somewhere or lug a really heavy version of a tablet around that were expensive and people didn't like them. And uh, I've pretty much tried all different kinds of pieces of software in all different areas of the supply chain. Uh, My particular heart lies with the support organizations in supply chain, having run a large support organization for Gillette in the facility in uh, South Boston for a number of years, right? So they they were all the mechanics, millwrights, electricians that supported people directly on the shop floor. They weren't hands-on making the product, and it was always hard to help identify what they did, when they did it, how they did it, and what the importance was. And so uh, you know, trying to find the things to help identify those and assist them in their jobs and get them responsive to the people on the shop floor was always a big challenge.
1: That's really interesting because we always think about kind of operators and technicians you know being at the pointy end of it as being you know, have a focus of, of connected worker programs but actually as the organisation as a whole can you talk a little bit more about you know why you think a connected support organisation is important
0: I like to think of it as a football team your definition the european version right you've got the team on the field uh, you've got the coaches who are the leadership but then you've got a whole bunch of trainers and support organisations logistics personnel That are necessary to get the team where they need to be when they need to be there and in the best physical condition to perform at the top and so if you're thinking about the connected worker at the shop floor you know that's the that's the player on the field but you've got all sorts of people uh in the organization necessary to keep them performing at peak right you got to have air compressor systems you've got to have energy electricity water when they need it you've got to have clean facilities when they want to uh, use the facilities. You've got to have the right conditioned environment for the product as well as the people to operate in. You've got to have the right safety systems in place to keep them healthy and safe. You know there's a huge role for the support organization, whether it's a football club or your uh, manufacturing operations, you know that there's a there's a team effort in that. And uh, that's where I think focus of having a connected solution, you know you've got the connected worker and then they need help you know, the collaboration tools that we talk about in Zaptic that can connect to that support organization to get that additional support when needed. It's not there all the time, but when you need it, it's critical.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I love the idea that every single person in the organization has a part to play. You know, there, aren't, there are no small jobs. Do you feel like there's been enough done so far to digitally connect these people? And what projects have you seen do that really well in the past?
0: The, what's most evident when you walk into facilities will be their, their version of whatever they call maintenance management, whether it's CMMS or EAM or whatever, because maintenance of the equipment of the physical assets, because of the cost, even though labor is a huge cost, uh, you know, the machines you can you can diagnose a machine a lot easier than you can often diagnose a person, and so the first evidence you see of anything related to Digitization is usually related to assets or materials in the ERP side. So it's all of material focus. Uh, Very little in the digital realm. You know, maybe you've got some training that's digital out of, you know, uh, to teach people some things, you know, video content or other digital content. But right at the shop floor, you usually have the maintenance systems first and then the MES systems in there somewhere, but that's usually for the people to tell leadership what's wrong with the assets when they're not performing properly, right? So the MES system exists for people to identify what happened to the machine when something happened to it, assuming that the MES couldn't figure it out from what the machine itself told. them. And so uh, the missing gap there has always been The piece that ties all that collaboration to people together, and so you see efforts like Slack or Teams or other collaboration tools. Yammer, I think, is uh, what Microsoft calls theirs, and you you see that. But it's not often deployed for collaboration right to the shop floor. Right? It stops the support organization is usually plugged in, at least the leadership of it. But uh, often the people, you know, the connected worker or the connected support organization who's out on the floor during the day you know, they're not looking at their phone for a team's message or uh, or something else like that. They may be getting dispatched from the maintenance system or dispatches from uh, other things, but it's often not a, a real collaboration environment and certainly nothing that's giving them in, anything close to instructional. If I'm a support organization, a mechanic, and I get called because the air compressors died in some part of the facility, I might have six different kinds of air compressors in the facility. And when I go there, I need, you know, the right information on, you know, guy, I haven't worked on this one in like five years. What, you know, well, how do I diagnose the problems? What tools do I need? What uh, specifications can I look at to tell me what's wrong with it and diagnose it? And that's where I look for a connected support organization to have the tools and the information they need.
1: Absolutely. And so often that can just be a picture or a video. I remember speaking to a maintenance technician who said that a digital solution save them two hours a day. And I asked him why, and he said it's because it's a big site, and every time somebody called in on the radio with an issue, he'd have to walk down to the line, look at the issue, walk back to the parts warehouse, pick up the correct park, walk down again. And over the course of a day, that was about two hours of walking to the line, back to the warehouse, back to the line at a big site. So it's not hard to imagine the, you know, the amount of time that can be saved with, with the right kind of digital solution.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I've been in some facilities where you don't walk, there's bicycles, um, or uh, <laughs> golf electric golf carts. I mean, the facility's big enough, the left facility in Boston was, you know, million and a half square feet. So, um, you know, and that's a small facility, right? So uh, you can be in some facilities where, you know, it could take 20 minutes round trip to get to the parts crib, or they have distributed parts cribs, or the parts you need are never where you want when you want, or the you know, the help you need or the information you need. And very often. You go out to look at something and you have to make a long cycle trip. And that's just not a good thing. Uh, And when you reach out to the support organization, you know, how do you tell them what's wrong? Right. I mean, so you you maybe call them on the phone and you talk to them. But now, you know, you've got your uh, digital device. You can hold it up, shoot a video. You can Say, hey, here's what's here's what's physically wrong. This is what's going on right now with the machine. And they can see they can see it on their device, you know, through that video. If a picture's worth a thousand words, a video is worth ten thousand. That technology, that capability in a in a person's hand in a in a meaningful way is worth so much.
1: Absolutely, and I find the sort of the bicycle anecdote so funny because if you if you imagine each line goes down, it might be costing you tens of thousands of dollars each minute it's down. Which surely is a business case to hire Olympic cyclists. <laughs> right? If you're waiting for someone to go get a part and come back, you know, um, there's got to be a business case there for hiring really fast cyclists.
0: Certainly now with electric bikes, uh, but then you had a whole other <laughs> safety problem. You've introduced a whole other risk factor to your facility, right?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Which brings me on to so my next question of, you know is the support organization changing? And what are the changes that you're seeing out there on the market? Oh, sure. I
0: mean, if anything, the support organization is being more distributed. There's more and more of an effort to decide how much each part of a plant needs in terms of a support organization. And so you, you you take and you say maybe you've got 100 people in your support organization and and call it five areas of the plant, but they're not all going to get 20 people out of the support organization. Some are going to need five, and some are going to need 10, and others are going to need 15. Well, very often the demand for that support organization. Isn't linear. It's not even close to linear. You're, you know, you're, you're lucky if your production's close to linear, so you can estimate the number of people you need on shift for direct uh, work. You know, indirect work, support work is so over. And so they've, de- you know, there's been this huge effort over the time to decentralize that organization to assign those costs where they're most attributed. But it's highly variable. And because you didn't have real-time communication collaboration tools, those efforts were always kind of half-baked, or you had a little too many here, or not a little too many there. And so if you think about some things that are truly support costs, and you have, you know, robust digital collaboration tools in a connected support organization, connected workers, now you can get down to where you can have people collaborate quickly Support something before they go there. Get the right parts. Reduce a lot of that overhead time. Smooth that out, and so you can see substantial savings in your support organization associated with you know getting them the right information. You know, either pictures or videos uh, and real time collaboration that you couldn't before. And uh, well, people say, well, now you're you're going to lay off people. You're going to have headcount reduction. Guess what? We you know unemployment in the U.S. right now is sitting below three and a half percent. That's like full employment and people are aging out of the workforce like crazy and there aren't enough young people coming in behind them. So, you know, your support organization is getting thinner without you doing anything about it. And so, you know, if you can do something to make them more effective, you you can maybe offset those struggles you're going to go through to just find the people in the support organization. We have enough trouble finding connected workers at the shop floor, a layer behind them in the support organization, which isn't as well recognized as the people making the the product is is even more of a struggle, especially in the trades, because people you know they they people want to go to college and uh, not work in the trades in many cases, and so electricians and millwrights and plumbers and mechanics, really really tough to find.
1: It's really interesting. So you actually see it as you know we have a, a finite, a scarce resource of these tradespeople, and we need to be able to better utilize the ones that we have in order to you know not affect production. Like what's going to happen if we don't do that? Like what's for disaster scenario in your mind?
0: More downtime, more supply chain problems, inability to get delivered promise dates for customers. Goodwill of your customers is going to drop because customer satisfaction is going to go down. Potentially more defects in your product related to problems in equipment, producing product that's defective and you know potentially getting out the door. Uh, more safety issues where you know people, quote, live with problem rather than get it fixed in, a, in an unsafe condition. It's a probably a close to a never-ending list of uh, things that are bad associated with not having enough of the right people around to take care of the issues.
1: And how hard of a problem is it to solve? Because you know we're talking here, kind of maintenance rooms, you know, even maintaining facilities and, and simple as as bathrooms. Like, how hard of a problem is that to solve at a large production facility?
0: Without the kind of digital tools that Zaptic provides in a connected solution. Really challenging, right? I mean, we've had walkie talkies, two way radios for a long time, uh, and it only gets you so far. You know, you can talk to someone on it, but, you know, now now do I have the right book or manual when I get there? Do I have the right parts when I get there? Can I quickly access while I'm traveling there? Maybe I'm, I want to say texting and driving, but, um, you know, you're sending a couple of people, one of them can be looking at the manual online on their mobile device and say, you know, I think this is what we're going to see when we get there and they can be anticipatory. And so a connected solution can be a huge helper to solving the problem. I mean, it's not the only thing that's going to solve the problem long-term, encouraging more people to enter the trades and look at that as a uh, as a true profession is going to help, but the digital tools are going to help the people when they get there. When a plumber starts making, you know, two hundred fifty thousand pounds or dollars a year, and the person in the restaurants, you know, making, you know, eighty or ninety thousand pounds a year, uh, guess what? There's going to be more people want to be plumbers and electricians and mechanics, and e- economics will balance itself out, right? You will have to pay to get the skills.
1: Absolutely, and you know, we've spoken a lot about automation on this podcast so far, and. You know, we think about automation as as affecting factories, but the reality is the more automation there is, the more sophisticated support organization you need, the more tradespeople you need to maintain it. Whereas actually it's a lot of a desk job and the white collar, you know, quote unquote, white collar jobs, which are much more likely to be automated. And, you know, I think we're going to need tradespeople for, you know, 50, 100 years. You know, what's your kind of bet for a future and where do you see kind of manufacturing going over the next 50 to 100 years?
0: Oh, I see it becoming much more dependent on skilled technical trades, you know, whether it's programming or, you know, digital care or electricians, electronics, controls, physical mechanics, you know, you got hydraulic systems on a lot of these and technical trades is is going to be the place, right? Engineering and designing that automation and technical trades, all the associated jobs in the offices that were associated with planning or listening to customer demand and creating advertising, those are all diminish and diminish and diminish as they get as AI, I think, becomes much, much more a part of the white collar elimination of roles in the white collar. I mean, you'll have half as many lawyers and you'll need twice as many technical people in in the trades, right? And so I think the law schools will be uh, hungry for people and the trade schools will be overflowing. And so that's not a bad thing. You know, having less lawyers and more electricians and technicians to support your operations is probably a good thing for a lot of companies.
1: Absolutely. And I know that, you know, this is an area where you've you've played before and you have been managing large support organizations. You know, how do you manage a hundred person support
0: organization as an individual? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you serve them, but you don't <laughs> manage them. I think you'll have a whole separate discussion, I think, at an upcoming podcast on that with somebody who believes in servant leadership is, you know, a lot more probably more than I do is more of a zealot about it than I am, but I'm, I, I still am a, a big zealot of servant leadership and you, you, you don't manage them. You, you serve them, you give them the tools they need, the support they need, the education, they need the coaching, the compassion, all, all the things that they need when they need it. And you listen to them a lot about what can make their lives better and what can make the operations better. And you do your damnedest to to try to fulfill those needs. You know, you work with them to create the information you need or to collect the information you need to show further leadership that that investment, that um, efforts to support the changes they've asked for is warranted uh, financially viable uh, and just a good thing to, to do. My early attempt at servant leadership in a non-digital world was I had a uh, a book of uh, pictures of everyone in my organization, often their families if I could get them too, is in addition to them. And on the back of those pictures were the names and start dates and partner spouses' names, children's names, significant things, you know, just stuff that even not as an old guy, even as a young guy, uh, you couldn't, you know, if you had a hundred. 40 people in an organization, it was very hard to remember that unless you just worked at it. Right. And so I made, you know, my job to serve them was to know who they were and what they needed and what they might be feeling. And, you know, family conditions can often affect How people perform at work, and so be able to go up to someone and and talk to them genuinely about their family and their kids and what's going on in their life, it was a huge plus. And so I spent many many evenings with my wife, with her, you know, showing me a face and then asking me to tell tell her a little something about that person. Um, And uh, it was fun. I mean, we laughed about it at the time, but I got to tell you, it it really made a difference. And, you know, when I was uh, part of the leadership team at the factory in Boston, in, in the culture in Boston, uh, there's a heavy Irish culture or Irish Catholic culture. And, you know, when, when somebody's family passed, everybody went to the wake. Uh, And so, you know, in a plant of several thousand people, you, you were, you were, it's a small city and everything that happens in a small city. So births and deaths and marriages and, you know, kids graduating from, Universities and colleges and high schools happened every day. If you were connected to your organization, if you were serving your organization, you were aware of those things. You were aware that somebody needed an extra day of bereavement or, uh, an extra day to celebrate their wedding or a graduation, or they needed to get out early today. And, uh, that was servant leadership for me then, you know, now you can do that on a digital device. I think I made the analogy to the devil wears Prada and Glenn Close, you know, at the party and two <laughs> people are whispering in their ears, this is so-and-so and they're so-and-so, and, you know, and so you have the name, Sandy. Never had anybody whispering in my ear. I either learned it or I didn't learn it.
1: I love that. And it's coming from such a, such a good place. You know, it sounds manufactured, but the reality is it's just not possible to remember that. And what comes across is just how much you care. So, you know, looking at the future and you know trying to move beyond those kind of cards, what's the digital version of those kind of pictures with notes written on the back?
0: I think the digital version is just my my contact app in my phone. It, you want to talk about connected leadership, but then you have somebody else going to talk about connected leadership, but you know, something that I can quickly scroll through my my organization and all that information that I I want to have in my head that I can't possibly have in my head with that many people I can bring up. Oh oh yeah. I know who's working on line three today. Okay. Bob, Bill, and Tim. Okay. Uh, Oh, and Mary's supporting them. And so, uh, you know, I got a note that Mary's got, you know, uh, is not feeling well or is, 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 is struggling today. And so I can look up and see Mary's, you know, you know, newly married and, um, you know, been trying to have kids or something like, you know, whatever it is, I, I can look up a little thing. And so, you know, I can go there and have a conversation with her or, or, or one of the people on the line and help them in whatever way I could possibly help them to make their work day easier. So that's less impactful on, or, you know, minimizes the impact of what's going on in their personal life. So I think it's just a digital form of my, of, of the notebook, you know, not that I'm going to hold it up to the next person and go, yep, that's you. And then, you know, but, uh, <laughs> I think you know anything you can do to get more information in the hands of leadership to support their organization in a connected organization. And the connected organization, you know, you've got a new new electrician or a mechanic, and they're headed out to the line that they've never been out to before solo. You know, they can bring up who's on the line today and. And maybe there's a short, we ask everybody to put a short bio in. And so the line leader, so-and-so, and and this is their philosophy or whatever. It's great. you know. learning your technical training, getting training has always been about the machine works or how this works or that safety program. You know, we we don't train a lot on getting to know your fellow team members in various places of the organization. And that could serve a great purpose in helping uh, people get more connected that way.
1: It's really interesting. I obviously spend a lot of, of my day thinking about connected worker platforms as being one way, but actually there's there's a lot of different solutions involved in a connected workforce. And that's only uh, only a fraction. I'd never consider the contacts app on my phone being one of them, but that totally makes sense.
0: You should see how much information's in my contact in my contact cards, <laughs> right? It's just not a name and a phone number, Richard.
1: <laughs> well, maybe after a beer, Mike, you can show me what you've got on me. <laughs>
0: Not enough, not enough. Sandy hasn't spilled the beans.
1: (laughs) Oh, he will, he will. So, tell me, ARVR, what do you think the future is in the connected support organization? Oh, I think it's going to be
0: here. Uh, It's right now. It's still pricey. It's still not ubiquitous. You know, we tried mobility. Uh, for a long time, right? We've had mobile devices for a while. I remember we had a client come into her consulting firm and they asked if we had, you know, mobile computers and the president of her consulting company he said, yeah, we have them. We have these PC ATs on carts and people can roll them to the office when they need <laughs> them. You know, that is not, that was not their vision of mobility then or not the, our vision of mobility now, you know, and it's, it's an extension of mobility is, you know, I mean, there are people who can do ARVR on their, on their phone right the phone can you can see through the phone and you can mark it up and and but people aren't going to carry their phone around at the end of their arm reach to be able to show something you know and the headsets and other devices associated with kind of AR today just just aren't there for people to be able to tolerate them or have enough of them we did we worked with a consortium in Chicago DMDII and we had a bunch of company very large companies in digital to ourselves. and digital ourselves we got a group together. Uh, the the leader from Gillette, who's in the AR VR space and others from other companies. And they tried to put down why we needed those companies to come up with standard digital platforms for their hardware. Because if, you know, if Procter & Gamble went out to um, 40,000, you know, and said, we want to buy 40,000 AR headsets, there wasn't a company that had 40,000 AR headsets available, right? I mean, it, depending on what country you were in, you were going to have some of these and some of those, and they needed to interoperate, you know, and, and the companies were like, oh, no, we can't innovate that way. And we can't, you know, well, you know, then you're not going to be selling very many of these. Um, I think it's coming. Uh, VR, you know, maybe for training, but certainly augmented. And, and people like it, right? I mean, uh, when they can get it and it's comfortable, And they're used to using it, and and it can have some ubiquity to it. But then you know that's when it'll start to come. But then it's got to overcome all the social obstacles of you know I'm now I'm not on you know is we tell our kids be careful because you're always being uh, uh, videoed uh, with all these mobile devices. But uh, you or you may be uh, somebody if 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 AR gets ubiquitous, you are you're everything that everybody's doing all the time is. Is being captured in a digital form. Uh, Socially, I'm not sure people are. You know, I mean, there may be a (laughs) rapid rebellion against that, right? So, I'm willing to put it on when I need it or turn it on when I need it to diagnose a problem on a piece of equipment because the help that I need is is far away and can't can't be here. But the rest of the time, I'm you know, there's social mores, there's costs, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to have to overcome as a culture to make AR as ubiquitous as mobile devices, I think, today. And, and so I think they're common and I think it's, you know, it's in the Zaptic roadmap, it's in everybody else's roadmap, and so we'll get there. And I think the,
1: you know, the social angle is really interesting because you're saying that people aren't ready for that like, in their personal lives. I mean, what about at, at work, you know, sitting here in Europe? Unions and worker councils are, you know, very prominent. I think that's going to be a really difficult and interesting conversation we're going to see over the next few years.
0: Oh, for sure. Right. And I mean, I remember with Google Glass, people were irate. Uh, never mind the media companies when somebody wore an, a Google Glass into a movie theater and filmed the movie. Oh, my gosh. The studios were having, you know, wait, that you're violating the digital copy protection. You know, I mean, you know, so <laughs> or, you know, how is anything digitally protected if everybody's got AR on their head all the time? The cultural aspects of change always outweigh the technology just it's just that's how it is always will be i think as long as we're people they haven't completely automated us
1: <laughs> absolutely completely agree uh well mike it's been an absolute pleasure having you having you on
0: today and you know thanks for sharing everything we have so far Oh, always glad to share. That's the way we learn, right? We either learn because we get a scar, or we learn because somebody tells us about their scars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. sure. Mike, was there anything you wanted to talk about but you didn't get
0: a chance? We could go on for hours, Richard. No, um, no I, th- yeah. I think it, <laughs> I think that covered you know support organization. I think with what you've got coming with Andy and with Tom and and others, I think we'll fill in all the all the pieces.
1: Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, a wide and ranging conversation. And we're going to be talking to more people like Mike over the next few episodes of Snapchat. So please do like and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.